best home for Motown, soul, and great rock and roll. SkyPilotRadio.com. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. How 9-11 is still destroying us today and what we need to do to save America. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, Dr. Carol, the terrorist therapist, is on a rampage today because um, I am so angry about how each year since 9-11, 2001, the media and public commemorations of 9-11 have become less and less. I, I think you may have been noticing this too, that you know there was big fanfare uh, closer to the time that 9-11 happened. And each year, little by little, you know, imperceptibly, <laughs> almost, um, it is getting less TV coverage, less radio coverage, uh, less media coverage in general. And, you know, sure, it used to be, remember at the beginning when they used to cover uh, the whole reading of the names at Ground Zero, all of the, the whole, it took like three hours or so, and they covered the whole thing, and it was very emotional. And the point of it is not only to give the loved ones of the victims of 9-11, a chance to say their names and um, have a pause and everybody thinks about that person, you know, even if we don't know them, there's that general, you know, you see the person uh, who's reading the name, you see them choked up or crying or clearly you can see that they are grieving just as deeply today as they did on 9-11. And so it, it touches us. And so the importance of that is not just to give these people and their loved ones the recognition, but also as a way to help us, all of us, remember 9-11. Now, I'm going to get into why that's important that we remember 9-11 in a bit. But let me tell you what is happening and why I am even more furious this year than all other years. There has just been an announcement that the families of 9-11 victims will not read the names at the memorial this year, and they are blaming this decision on COVID. 
Um, they sent out an invitation to the 9-11 next of kin, and this is what they said. <laughs> and instead, they're going to be playing a recording of a past name reading. These are the quotes from um, Alice Greenwald, who is the president and CEO of the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. And I love that museum, and I love anybody who has not been to Ground Zero and the Memorial and the museum, the 9-11 National Museum and the other 9-11 Museum, um, has to go. It is a must for every single American and people uh, from other countries as well, because terrorism, terrorists, <laughs> are not just trying to kill Americans, but also the West, Western civilization. Anyhow, this is what the um, little memo, <laughs> invitation, uh, the non-invitation invitation said, quote, as we continue to develop plans for this year's 9-11 anniversary, our hope is to gather on the Memorial Plaza, adhering to state and federal guidelines as they relate to social distancing and public gatherings, as in the years past, the focus of the commemoration will be the reading of the names. We will not ask family members to read the names of victims in person on a stage this year. Instead, we will use recorded names, name readings, recorded name readings from the museum's in memoriam exhibition to ensure that your loved one is recognized and remembered. Now, excuse me, <laughs> first of all, I, as I said, I have been to the museum. It's a fabulous museum. And I have been to, there's one room, a uh, dark room, where you sit and you listen to the names uh, being spoken and being read. And, um, and you see the names on, on a screen on the wall and a picture. And it is very chilling and very emotional and impactful and so on. However, in no way is this like the family members or loved ones of the victims of 9-11. And so, um, if, if, um, if, they are, if they are inviting, I mean, here's the hypocrisy. If they are inviting and allowing people to still come to the plaza, and be there during this ceremony, non-ceremony ceremony, then why on earth would the family members not be allowed to read the names? It does not make any sense. And I think that this is the ultimate in the uh, diminishment of the commemoration of the anniversary. And um, in fact, it wasn't just, this is really bad enough, but it was only even gonna be worse. They're going to have um, the lights, you know, usually every year they started doing um, lights in the sky, these light beams and uh, on 9-11 as part of the commemoration in the evening. And they weren't even going to be doing that. And then someone, a, um, a philanthropist, um, a, you know, an individual citizen said that he would pay for the beams. He would arrange the beams. Now, the reason the excuse that they gave for not doing the beams was that because of COVID, 
the people who are involved in the whole, you know, uh, logistics, the whole setup of, of making the beams cross the sky, setting that up, um, that they shouldn't be too close to each other, and therefore you can't uh, have the beams, which is, again, preposterous. So I think what happened was when this man came out and said um, that he was going to pay for this and arrange for it in a you know, socially distanced, masked way so that it would be fine, no problems, that basically embarrassed the people who had said that they weren't going to have the beams either. But, you know, this whole thing is, is, is just awful because it represents a trend of trying to uh, make this, trying to forget 9-11, trying to deny that 9-11 ever existed. Now, there's a reason why people deny things. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like things in our lives, we, we each... Uh, have denial about certain things in our lives. It's about things that are painful, painful memories. We don't want to remember them because they're painful. They cause us to have the same feelings that we had at a particular time when this painful event happened. And, um, and so we don't want that. And in fact, um, that is what denial is for, like why the brain or the psyche, um, actually, why there's this phenomenon of, de of denial. So, for example, if you had a parent who was abusive or who disappointed you or, dis or, or abandoned you, or you, you lost your first love, you know, your first true love um, rejected you, or it could be something even more recent, some painful memory, uh, you know, that's how therapy works. Uh, because when people are depressed or people have other psychological problems, you come to therapy and you talk about your life and you uncover these painful memories. And yes, you may cry and so on, but that is, you know, that helps you to process them. You don't forget them per se, but it helps you to come to terms with them. Well, it's the same thing with 9-11 and we, we must absolutely never forget 9-11 and I'll be telling you reasons why. Um, but the fact that we are sort of uh, involved in a kind of um, uh, societal denial, I mean, it's not just each one of us individually, but society, the media in particular, is helping us to stay in denial about all of the impact that 9-11 is having on us and the fact that terrorism still exists, even though we're concentrating on coronavirus and on um, the riots and the looting and the political divisiveness and all of that, we're you know, being totally distracted by that and people aren't thinking much about terrorism, which is all the more reason why this year should have been an even more, an even stronger memorial and uh, even more um, out in the media because the media has done very little to cover terrorism, in the, especially in these past few months, ever since coronavirus came around and ever since the, uh, the riots came around. So it really was more necessary than ever for us to remember the victims, for us to remember how we felt. We all can remember where we were on 9-11, and yet 
we're joining in this stuffing down, this denial of the fact that 9-11 ever existed. And this is not, it's not healthy for us individually. It's not healthy for us as a society. And we need to change this. So when we come back, I'll be telling you about how 9-11, in case you're wondering why I'm saying that 9-11 is still affecting us, even though it happened um, 19 years ago, it is still affecting us. And, um, and I will tell you how. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. And I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show. Uh, We're talking today about a super important, um, really a seminal, key, basic thing, (laughs) important thing, how 9-11 is still destroying us today and what we need to do to save America and why we should never forget. So let me tell you, I promised I would tell you about things, uh, how 9-11 is still impacting us today because a lot of people... Uh, particularly the media, as I was talking about before, and anyone who's in denial. A lot of people want to forget it and deny it because it's very painful to remember that day. Um, so what? why should we? What are the things, you know, why should we bother? Why, why can't we just forget about it, right? Okay, well, before coronavirus started, um, there was, there has been, and, and now it's increasing since coronavirus, but from 9-11 on, there has been an increase in a lot of negative things in America. For example, the obesity epidemic. When 9-11 happened, we all were stuffing ourselves with comfort food. Remember those statistics about how much pizza eating (laughs) was increasing and so on? Um, Chocolate, you know, whatever your comfort food is, those kinds of foods were increasing. So we then ended up with the obesity epidemic. Um, And of course, now it's increasing. We have an increase in alcohol and drug abuse an increase in cutting, um, an increase in anxiety and depression and PTSD and even suicide. So those things were all increasing um, since 9-11 and before coronavirus, which now, of course, is adding to all of these problems. Um, PTSD. We... um, There were studies done after 9-11 that showed that people who watched hours upon hours of the Twin Towers falling, even if they were nowhere near New York or Pennsylvania or Washington, D.C., nowhere near a particular site of the terror attacks of 9-11, they developed PTSD 
along with, of course, the people who were at these sites, closer to these sites, who had more exposure to what happened at these sites. So, um, so you know, of course, when 9-11 happens, I mean, you know, one thing, the anniversary happens. Um, yes, that does trigger some of these things in people. Um, but the importance of this is worth any kind of pain that we need to suffer in remembering. Uh, because <laughs> because uh, only if we remember these things uh, can we do something about it. Now, let me just um, tell you also about... Um, about how 9-11, another impact, how 9-11 has caused us to feel like abused children. Now, children who suffer um, physical abuse feel, of course, it's never their fault, you know, any kind of abuse is never a child's fault. But children blame themselves for it, even though, of course, it's the grown-up's fault, any kind of abuse, it's the grown-up's fault. But children blame themselves for it, and they feel shame, and they feel self-loathing. That has what has happened to a lot of people in America, that we have, we have um, been cowering to some degree, cowering. Just like a little child, if you can picture a child in a corner who is being abused by their parent, let's say with a strap or just their fists or whatever, um, that has made some of us more than others and some institutions more than others cower. And that contributes to what is happening in our streets. So, um, in fact, let's, let's go there. Let's talk about how um, things happening in politics and in the riots also relate to 9-11. For one thing, uh, when, well, for, first of all, um, when 9-11 happened, the, both adults and you know, people who were adults at the time and then children, people who were children at the time or who weren't even born yet, in other words, people who grew up with parents who had been alive during 9-11, um, are feeling helpless, both the adults who were adults at the time of 9-11 and the people who either weren't born yet or who were children and grew up with parents who were suffering from this feeling of helplessness because of 9-11. That has affected everybody. I don't know, I kind of explained that in a complicated way, but uh, in other words, anyone who was alive at the time of 9-11 felt helpless with this sudden horrific attack. And anyone then who was born or grew up with such parents who were feeling helpless, the parents communicated, the children absorbed this helplessness from their parents. And um, that is why they are, uh, the, these now, these children who are now, you know, uh, teenagers or young adults, or that is why they are so 
um, eager to embrace socialism because they want um, big brother, big mother, big father, somebody to take care of them, to feed them and diaper them because they have absorbed this sense of helplessness from their parents growing up in the shadow of 9-11. And in terms of the riots, I mean, so that is, you know, we, we have a combination of, I mean, you know, uh, as much as, as much as the people who are involved in the peaceful protests, the so-called peaceful protests, and, um, and the riots and the looting, as much as they would have us believe that this is just all about rooting out racism, there are in fact terrorists involved behind 9-11, rooted, embedded in 9-11, embedded in the riots, and this feeling of, you know, this desire for socialism is also embedded in the riots, the rioters and the looters and so on. So that is what, that is an impact of 9-11 that is still carrying over as well. You know, that's on a societal level, um, as opposed to, as, or as compared to, or in addition to, uh, the individual things that have been affecting us, like I was talking about the obesity and the alcoholism and so on. Now, um, a few, two or three uh, 9-11s ago, anniversaries ago, Pence, Vice President Pence said that 25% of our country was not born during 9-11. So what that means is that they can't feel terror in the way that uh, people who were alive at whatever age felt it on 9-11. And that is very important because there's nothing, you know, ask yourself, I mean, when you read about things in the history books, like World War One, if you weren't alive during World War One, um, you know, or any kind of a, any historical event, uh, if you weren't alive then, you can learn all about it in the history books, but you don't feel it. You know, you don't, it isn't in your bones like something is that you have or are going through. And that is, that means that we have to work all the harder to talk to kids about terrorism, uh, kids and young adults, you know, people who weren't alive then, to get them to understand that this isn't just something, I mean, unlike World War I, for example, um, not that there aren't going to be perhaps some other future world wars. I mean, there are. It's the terrorism is the world war. But in any case, um, we have to explain, be able to try to uh, get them to feel it in their bones so that they know how urgent and important it is to do something to protect themselves and the country against future terror assaults, terror attacks. Uh, people are, you know, we're so distracted by coronavirus and uh, the riots and the looting and the political divisiveness and soon, you know, in the election coming up and so on, that people are not thinking about terrorism or terrorists, but um, terrorists are certainly thinking about us. And the only reason why we haven't had more attacks 
during these months of coronavirus is because we haven't been in the streets. Or like if you think about terror attacks like uh, in Manchester, the Ariana Grande concert attack, the, the suicide uh, bomber, um, there, there aren't concerts these days, you know, since uh, coronavirus. There aren't groups, crowds, where terrorists would normally uh, go to, to perpetrate a big attack, you know? I mean, yes, there are, and certainly there have still been attacks. I've been talking to you about them <laughs> in previous podcasts. There are certainly uh, attacks going on in Europe and in other places in the world, absolutely. But I'm talking about in America, People are, you know, it's easier actually for them to deny 9-11 when there haven't been news reports of, uh, of terror attacks here. Although there have been, you know, individual or small knife attacks and so on, but nothing uh, big enough to make the um, breaking news. Well, when we come back, I will talk more about this and what we can do, what we need to do to protect ourselves and our countries. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show where I'm talking today about how 9-11 is still destroying us and what we need to do to save America and Western civilization in general. Well, um, before I get into what we can do to save ourselves, <laughs> let me, uh, since this may be a time, it is often a time when uh, children, you know, the anniversary of 9-11 is a time when children um, ask their parents and teachers and uh, about 9/11, about terrorism, really. Uh, of course, you know, as I was talking about at the beginning, that's usually when, or, or in earlier years, when the um, uh, honoring of the 9/11 victims and the ceremonies, public ceremonies, uh, commemorating 9/11 and so on, when those are more in the media, like they have been, uh, were at the very beginning and have been diminishing every year. Um, but still, <laughs> there, it is likely that something is going to come up uh, that will make children ask grown-ups uh, questions about 9-11 or about terrorism. So at the risk of uh, seeming self-promotional, <laughs> I am going to read a few examples of how you can answer children when they ask you these things that come from my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. So um, one question would be, um, well, the, a basic question, of course, <laughs> is if, you, if they uh, wanna know, you know if, if they hear terrorists attacked us on 9-11, they would likely ask, what is terrorism? So this is what a grown-up can say. Terrorism is like bullyism, but it is a threatening plan to push people around carried out by adults. 
not playground bullies. The word terrorism comes from terror. Terrorists are trying to make you feel terrified. Imagine having to watch a whole lot of scary movies, one after the other. This is how scared they want you to feel. They are hoping you will be too terrified to go to school, play sports, have fun with your friends, go places with your family, or do anything else that makes you happy. They want you to be as miserable as they are. Another question they would be likely to ask, and I'm just picking out highlights of, of questions and answers from the book, um, ones that they might be most likely to ask you on this anniversary. The question would be, why do terrorists attack us? So you can say, terrorists want to hurt people who don't believe in the same things they do, like the same God they believe in. They want us to follow their rules. They don't want us to be free or to think freely with our own ideas. Terrorists are so full of hate that they don't know how to talk calmly with us about their feelings, their ideas, their religion, and their reasons for being angry with us. So instead, they just have temper tantrums. Each time they explode a bomb, it is like they are having a big temper tantrum. You know that this isn't the right thing to do, and it doesn't work. If you have a temper tantrum, you don't get your way, do you? Well, the terrorists are not going to get their way either. And then last but not least, here's another example of a question and answer. They might ask you, will there be another terror attack? So, you know, they're seeing, hearing about 9-11. Will there be another terror attack? The grown-up can say, there are a lot of people working very hard to make sure there is not going to be another attack. They are trying to find terrorists before they get close to being able to carry out any more damage. And they are punishing terrorists who have done bad things or who are plotting to do bad things. We hope this will stop other terrorists because they won't want to be punished too. But no one really knows if there will be another attack or when or where. I can't promise that there won't be more. What I can promise is to get our family prepared so that if there are any more attacks, we will be as safe as possible. Well, I hope that helps you. Now let me uh, talk about some other things that um, we need to do and why we need to remember. Um, first of all, you know, coronavirus, even though we're all uh, absorbed, distracted, obsessed with coronavirus and with the riots and with the election, um, those things will pass. But terrorism is not going to pass. As I've talked about in prior podcasts, and you probably recall, um, terrorists have been using this time that we have been distracted with all of these other things to, uh, to recruit more people to become terrorists, you know, because um, ISIS and Al Qaeda, they have been putting out all kinds of propaganda. Uh, on the internet. And since we are now so many more people, well, people, <laughs> so many people are in lockdown with nothing to do, <laughs> or let's put it this way, with more time to scour the internet, more people are coming across uh, this propaganda. 
And these are people who are angry, people who are sad. You know, uh, the lockdowns have gotten to us psychologically. Uh, we are, we're frustrated, you know, about all the things that have been happening, jobs being lost because of being locked down and people losing loved ones uh, to coronavirus and are people being sick? Maybe not, there isn't a super high percentage dying, but even just people being sick and worrying about them and so on, or being kept away from them, being kept away from um, grandparents and so on in places who, in places where they're, um, where they're living, or even if they're living in their own apartment, but not wanting to, being afraid to visit them and spread COVID, that kind of thing. So people are not in a great place. And it is very easy to then um, have, be able to persuade them with these, this propaganda on the internet. People are vulnerable, is what I'm trying to say, to being persuaded by propaganda on the internet for ISIS and Al-Qaeda and other terrorist organizations. Um, vulnerable to it, and more time to uh, read it. So, um, so you know, whereas coronavirus and these riots and the elections will eventually go away, the terrorists will not. So what do we do now that we recognize uh, that we are being impacted in the ways that I mentioned? Uh, I mean, that's the first thing that we do is to recognize it, you know, like in therapy, the first way, the first step to solving a psychological problem is to admit that you have one. So we need to admit that we have been in denial, number one, about 9-11. And we need to admit that it is still affecting us, whether, you know, whatever you can relate to that I mentioned, some of the ways, obesity, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, cutting, anxiety, depression, PTSD, well, not suicide, or you wouldn't be listening, but perhaps you have know someone who committed suicide. Um, so the first thing to do is to recognize that uh, the onset of these problems might well be related to 9-11, and then, of course, to address them. I tell people that we need to think of this by this, I mean not just the memories of 9-11 and how they're still affecting us, but this ongoing threat of terrorism. The way we have to deal with this is to um, act as though we are on a marathon, in a marathon. It, it, we are. We actually are um, uh, not, not necessarily running in a real marathon, uh, you know, physically, actually doing that kind of a marathon, but it's a marathon in terms of outliving in a healthy way, in a way that we can reach our dreams thriving despite living in a world of terror. So if you were wanted to be uh, in a marathon, and what would you do? You would make sure that you fortified yourself psychologically and physically. You would psych yourself up, you know, to, uh, to be able to withstand all the pressure of the, of the race, um, that when you wanted to quit or you got tired or, you know, things were, uh, wasn't what you expected, you, you have to be in a very healthy psychological state to push through whatever is in your path. And that's basically what we have to do is to be able to get ourselves in a psychologically healthy space 
to be able to push through um, what is in our path in terms of the threats of terrorism. And then, of course, physically, uh, if you were running in a race, you would go, to, you would build yourself up, you know, you'd be at the gym, you'd be practicing running, you'd be um, building up your stamina physically, uh, and all of that. And you'd perhaps go to the doctor to get a checkup to make sure that uh, you didn't have any physical problems or those that you did have, you'd start treating them or be more intense in your treatment of them to get yourself in top shape. Well, that's what we have to think of in terms of being able to reach our dreams in a time of terror. We also need to elect leaders who are going to be tough on terror. That has to be one of the primary ways that we decide who we're going to elect, who is going to be toughest on terror. And needless to say, um, you know, in 2016, it was, it seemed obvious to me, and it has been true, it has been proven true, that Trump was going to be tougher on terror. And in fact, during his four years, uh, or three and a half years even, he has done an amazing job in crushing terrorism. I mean, it's still there. (laughs) There's no way to totally stomp it out, not at this point. But he has destroyed the caliphate, and he has uh, destroyed, killed, um, ordered that, that certain areas be bombed and so on, and killed some of the leaders, the top leaders of terrorist organizations. And that's what we need to think about now. Of all the things, as I said, coronavirus, the riots, Of course, that's important, too. (laughs) Um, But of all the things that um, are most important or that we most need protection from or strong, strong action on, it's terrorism. And so, um, so these are, this is the, this is the leader. And basically what I'm saying is we need to elect Trump this time as well. Um, you know, when countries are watching the, the videos on the internet, that same ones you're looking at, of all of this violence in the streets of America, they are, they are just laughing and um, couldn't celebrating and couldn't be happier, um, except for those who wanted, <laughs> who wanted to be doing all of this themselves, um, don't, want, don't want our domestic terrorists or our you know, the people who are rioting and so on don't want them to take uh, their job, the terrorist job. But still, they are just looking at how much weaker we are making ourselves and how much easier it's going to be to conquer us when there are going to be crowds uh, out in the street to conquer or, at you know, concerts or various places where they can kill a lot of us at once. Last but not least, um, I just want to say that even though there is this paucity of um, celebration and media coverage uh, of, by commemoration, I should say, and media coverage of the anniversary of 9-11. You can do your own commemoration. We can each light a candle to commemorate the victims of 9-11. We can each talk about terrorism with our families and our friends and our colleagues. We can um, plant um, a, a, a flower, plant a plant, a plant, <laughs> plant something in our garden, and make that be a tribute to victims of 
we can pray. There are things like that that you can do. You don't have to, I mean, it's, it's really outrageous that there isn't more being done at ground zero, but we can certainly each do our part to remember the victims and to say never again. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.